Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence brought to you by the TCT content team. I'm Laura Griffiths, TCT Head of Content, and this week we have our very first editorial roundtable of 2022. And as ever, I'm joined by TCT Senior Content Producer, Sam Davis. Hello, Sam. Hello, how are you? I'm not bad, thank you. I'm just sat in the office and it is incredibly windy outside. So if I start to sound like I'm attempting to give some kind of weather report in a gale, then I, I apologise if it's a bit <laughs> disruptive. What about you, Sam? I'm not too bad. I think you're a little bit maybe a week or so out of date with the whole weather report outside after those storms last week. That's true. Um, I'm in a, I'm in the conservatory of my house with the windows open because the sun is beaming down and I'm trying to temperature control, which is not easy given I have no control over the sun. Um, <laughs> so likewise, if you can hear any wind, apologies. Um, so we decided to skip January's editorial roundtable episode um, just to let the industry settle into the new year um, and instead we featured nine additive manufacturing experts on the podcast over the last two months uh, with two innovators and innovators episodes which were created by Sam and they both offered some really interesting conversations one from a research and um, academia perspective and another on those super super cool um Zach Posen gowns from the Met Gala back in 2019 so definitely check out those episodes and also a panel session with this year's TCT Women in 3D Printing Innovator Award finalist so do go back and have a listen but for today's episode unfortunately you're stuck with us I'm afraid um, as we delve into some of the biggest news stories from the last month including 3D Systems acquisition of Titan Robotics and Cumovis, um, Atlantic Coastal Acquisition Corps terminating its merger with Ascentium, what the influx of mergers and acquisitions mean for the state of the AM industry in 2022 and a final call for entry to this year's TCT Awards. So first, let's talk about 3D Systems announcing acquisitions of Titan Robotics and Cumovis to expand its play in industrial and medical markets. So this happened just yesterday. Well, what was yesterday when we actually put this out? So last week. Um, but it, fo- it follows um, a period of kind of refocusing and uh, divesting and investing for 3D Systems as the company has organized itself into um, industrial business and healthcare business to address very specific markets. So as part of these acquisitions, uh, they've firstly taken over um, Titan Robotics, which is a polymer extrusion-based 3D printing company. Um, they deal with um, hybrid tool head configurations, including pellet extrusion, filament extrusion um, for precision 3D printing. They also have uh, really large uh, format 3D printers. And I remember they were kind of one of the first large format uh, extrusion-based systems that I saw um, at a trade show back at uh, Rapid in 2015 I want to say um, but the design to give um, customers increased flexibility when choosing the best combined format to suit their application needs so with those different types of, um, of extrusion and materials formats um, so as I said they've got some huge build chambers measuring 30 by 30 by 45 inches and 50 by 50 by 72 inches with print speeds up to 30,000 millimeters per minute so um, some really interesting capabilities there uh, Titan also announced a new 3D printer at last year's um, AMO and also an interesting fact they're also um, a partner for this the supply of their pellet extrusion materials with Jable who are also a partner of 3D Systems so this is also interesting for uh, those developments happening with 3D Systems and Jable at the moment too um, so by acquiring Titan 3D Systems says it's confident it now has a larger play in sand casting uh, tooling jigs and fixtures and end use part applications like air ducts brackets and structural components so 
lots of interesting areas that this technology um, can fall into. Um, before we talk about um, Kimovas, I just want to talk a little bit about, about Titan there because um, I found this uh, this one really interesting because, as I said at the start, 3D Systems has really um, refocused itself. You know, it's it's kind of done away with bits of the business that, that the um, they weren't as interested in focusing on anymore and instead they focused on um, very specific markets and, and different areas where additive manufacturing really makes sense. So in doing that, the company is um, kind of, split itself out into different um, application areas. They've hired personnel to focus on, on, on different applications. And in their most recent issue of TCT Magazine, uh, we had an interesting quote from uh, Dr. David Lee, who is the Chief Technology Officer for the 3D Systems Additive Manufacturing side of the business. And he said that looking uh, towards 2022, he expected that companies will, quote, not only enhance their core offering, but will also broaden their portfolios to offer their customers a more complete suite of technology and thus a complete solution under one brand. Um, and I found that quite interesting because it seems like that is exactly what 3D systems are doing now. You know, if you think back to Formnex at the end of last year, the company announced a number of uh, new machine launches across um, uh, polymers and metals, also some new materials and software updates and um, a partnership with post-processing specialist AMT. And that was in an effort to really provide this full solution and, and of course, attack some of those very specific markets that, that they're heading into now. You know, there's so many different um, new areas that they've talked about, things like um, the semiconductor industry and now also regenerative medicine too, lots of areas that they're really heavily um, investing in. So it, it feels like this is... Um, this is them really expanding that portfolio to know that, that they don't currently have, you know, this large format, this pellet-based uh, additive manufacturing, which is interesting. And then on the other side of things, they've also acquired um, Cumovis, which I hope I am saying correctly. Um, they also offer extrusion-based technology, but specifically developed for precision printing of medical grade and high-performance polymers like PEAK. And so as we know, 3D Systems has a huge play in the medical industry. They've had this for a very, very long time. Uh, last year, they expanded the healthcare facility to, um, to meet increasing demand. Um, and in fact, in the next issue of TCT, we'll be speaking uh, to 3D Systems healthcare team to talk a little bit about patient-specific uh, devices and all the various developments that happen in there. Um, so they focus on materials like PEAK, which are often deployed for human implants and surgical instruments, things like that. Um, and now the same with this technology um, underneath their belt, they're promising medical parts that are delivered faster and achieve better patient outcomes. Uh, Kimova's technology was first made available in August 2019, and since then the company has gone to partner with another 3D printing, sorry, 3D printing software company, um, Hyperganic. They've raised a 3.6 million euro Series A round um, and also appointed MedTech leader Vincent Gardes as its chairman. So this company has been expanding a lot over the last couple of years. So uh, this is interesting that they've now been acquired by 3D Systems. And by integrating this technology into the um, healthcare activities, 3D Systems says that they expect to expand its offering to include uh, these uh, peak materials into their implant manufacturing and also bone plates for trauma procedures, whilst also building on its capacity to reduce things like spine cages so they've actually invested in a couple of um, different healthcare um, companies over the last couple of years and I find it interesting that while while the company has made the decision to move away from certain areas and if, I feel like they've kind of built that back up very quickly over the last couple of years including um, 
things like their their investment in um, Alivi, which is another um, healthcare based technology company, and in other areas as well, like software with the acquisition of companies like Octon and, and Additive Works. Um, but it all feels like it's just part of this this big plan for three D systems to focus on these specific areas, um, like healthcare and industrial additive manufacturing too. Sam, any thoughts on this? Yeah, well, I'm <clears throat> I'm currently slowly going through some notes from Formnex, and obviously at Formnex, I, I spoke to um, a few members of the Stratasys team, and mm-hmm. it's quite evident when you speak to them that their expansion of their offering through acquisitions over the last, I guess, 18 months, two years, has all been about becoming the leader in, in polymer additive manufacturing, mm-hmm. um, offering solutions across extrusion, resin, and, and powder-based 3D printing technologies, and I kind of gather with these latest additions to 3D systems, it's kind of their aim to counter that with their own efforts to become that leader, perhaps of technologies that are a bit more niche and, and mm-hmm. industry and application specific. But as you mentioned, I think with a really clear idea on the on the markets that these acquisitions are going to allow them to address and, and build on, they're clearly continuing to bet big on uh, 3D printing's application in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure you'll um, you'll you'll kind of detail a bit more in the next issue of the magazine. But while ensuring they have a technology like pallet extrusion, which is kind of still in its you know nascency and still developing, and mm-hmm. and it's kind of got in there early, I think, to add to you know an already sizable offering of powder bed and in particular SLA solutions. So um, it's quite interesting to see how they're going about things. Um, obviously, they've always had a a massive player medical for example but it feels like they're you know really concentrating in that area and as you mentioned with the um bioprinting acquisition last year as well mm-hmm. yeah you're right and the fact that they're already talking about very specific applications for both of these technologies you know in the case of titan the things like brackets and structural components and then on on the healthcare side uh, things like these uh, peak implants more specifically um spinal cages those types of things they've, they've obviously got a very clear idea of where this technology is, is going to make a difference and i think that's the difference now you know for a long time it felt like 3d systems it, 3d systems made a lot of acquisitions in a very short uh, period of time a, a few years ago um and i feel like this is them kind of doing making similar moves but but doing it where they know that it's going to really count and, and really kind of push their technology forward into applications yeah it's a bit more of a considered approach and a bit more as if the the companies that they're bringing in are a little bit um i don't know they're, they're kind of developed enough to know where they're gonna have their play in the market mm-hmm. um with specific applications and then you know, 3D systems can do what so many other companies have done in the last couple of years, which is, you, you know, use their distribution networks to really give the likes of Cumovis um, mm-hmm. or Titan a, a leg up and, and really get their technology out there. Mm-hmm, definitely. So um, moving on to the next story, um, and I guess it kind of falls into into acquisitions too. So after a year of continuous uh, mergers and acquisitions announcement, we heard earlier this month that well, there's that wind outside. <laughs> we heard earlier this month that Atlantic Coastal Acquisition Corp has decided to terminate its business combination agreement with Ascentium uh, that was set to see the 3D printing company publicly listed on the NASDAQ Stock Exchange. Sam, you followed Ascentium's rise very closely over the last few years. What happened here? Um, yeah, so in December, Ascentium made the announcement um, 
as you just mentioned, unlike a few others in the industry, had that it was in the process of becoming a publicly listed company via a, a merger with a special purpose acquisition company or SPAC. Um, a SPAC is basically a shell company that's created for the sole purpose of taking a private company public and for, you know, an Ascentium or a Velo 3D or desktop metal or whoever else is seen as, you know, a quicker and maybe less expensive way of going public and seems to have become pretty popular in a lot of industries over the last few years. In part, I think, because of economic uncertainties brought on by COVID, um, but due to market conditions, as per um, Ascentium CEO, Blake Tapel, the, the deal which was going to see Atlantic Coastal, in this case, acquire Ascentium, and list to send him on the Nasdaq stock exchange was um, terminated by mutual agreement. Per that agreement, Atlantic Coastal will be granted the right to receive payments in the future, subject to circumstances relating to future financing transactions by Centium or a separate sale of a Centium or Atlantic Coastal's inability to consummate another business combination. Mm-hmm. Um, that last one's key because Atlantic Coastal revealed at the same time that um, they're going to instead go and look at taking a company in the mobility space public instead. Um, it was also agreed that if a sale of Ascentium does not occur by March the 8th in 2023, that Atlantic Coastal could also acquire a stake equal to 5% of Ascentium at a valuation of $500 million. Now, as far as SPACs go, generally there have been quite a few of these deals falling through since um, certainly the turn of this year, maybe the back end of last year as well. Um, and given every other 3D printing company so far that's used a SPAC has ended up successfully being publicly listed, I think it would suggest that the market conditions that Tapao refers to aren't relating, at least not exclusively to the 3D printing space. But it is quite interesting that Atlantic Coastal are you know, going to instead pursue an opportunity in another industry. Um, and, you know, they, they were quoted in the press release as saying that they're looking to maximise value for their shareholders. So perhaps given the market conditions as they are, the, the SPAC in this case might think there's a, you know, there's a better opportunity in another industry for greater value elsewhere. Um, I don't know. But as for Ascentium, they set up a few interviews with additive manufacturer media after the announcement about a week or two ago at this point, um, but would only take questions relating to the termination of this deal in writing. And mm. at the time of recording, we're, we're still waiting a response um, to those questions. Um, there have also been redundancies at the company in the last month with around 40% of their staff reportedly being laid off. Um but when I spoke to Tapel um, two weeks ago, he did say that the Metal AM technology that it announced last year is still progressing well, um, as is its work with US governmental agencies like the DOD. So it's unclear as yet what the future looks like for Ascension, whether you know they, they still intend, as they told us a month or two ago, that they always had to go public um, and how they might pursue that um, if, if they still want to um it's i would say a significant bump in the road for them in terms of the you know the growth and the journey that they're on um and, and hopefully in the next week or two we'll be able to get more insight from the team there soon and as soon as we do we'll um pop that on the website 
Um, but yeah, I, I guess unexpected. As mm-hmm. I say, all of the other deals like this have have seemingly gone through so far. But yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what it what it means at this stage for Asensio moving forward. Today's episode is sponsored by 3D Systems. Here, Sam Green, 3D Systems Professional Printer Category Manager, discusses advancements in polymer materials to increase AM repeatability, productivity and part performance. We know that 3D printing has been moving for some time now from a predominantly prototyping tool to a manufacturing tool. And the real end game really is for 3D printing not to replace traditional manufacturing, but to support that adding breadth and depth and agility and complexities are where it's uh, really required. SLS is a great contender for producing uh, plastic, true plastic parts, thermoplastics in PA12, nylons. However, the drawback of many thermoplastic technologies has been the process by which these individual layers of the parts are melded together. So large thermal discrepancies can occur typically across either a single part where you display different mechanical properties at one end of the part and different mechanical properties at the other end. And the same is true if you have a batch of parts. But what we've really done, we've created the new SLS 380 3D printer. And this is designed to deliver consistent and repeatable parts. So we've installed eight individually controlled heaters. And then we've installed a high resolution IR camera that's able to take 100,000 thermal data samples from within the build chamber every second. So the system's algorithm is able to quickly identify any areas where there's high thermal gradient uh, or very low thermal gradient, and then it immediately adjusts the duty cycle of the relevant heater to remove that thermal discrepancy and ensure a more consistent sintering process. And ultimately this uh, temperature stability creates significantly higher part yields and ultimately a more efficient process and even lower part costs. You guys have talked a lot about advancing the science and one of those areas is photopolymer resins. Can you just elaborate on how you're leveraging that to deliver production grade part performance there? We've been able to develop a series of novel patented chemistries and these have really opened the door to the first true production ready photopolymers for additive manufacturing. So we started this process for the figure four 3D printer with our tough black 20 material. This along with other production grade materials that we've released since then, all these materials are tested to demonstrate that they can retain most of their mechanical properties and typically up to eight years indoor and two years outdoor. 30 years ago, 3D Systems invented the SLA 3D printing uh, technology, uh, which uses a vector laser to scan and cure resins in a vat. In contrast to that, the figure four, it still uses a vat of course, but it replaces that laser with a projector-based imaging system that cures a whole layer at a time rather than point by point. So the great advantage of this is, of course, uh, speed. Figure four is unique in that it is a non-contact membrane technology, which means the part does not come into contact with a transparent layer at the bottom of the print tray. So the end game has always been to port over the revolutionary material advances we've made from the projector-based figure four to our SLA range, such as the Pro X800. Back in July, we launched the first of these materials. It's called the Acura AMX Rigid Black, a high-strength production-grade SLA material with really good environmentally stabilized uh, properties that can withstand years of indoor, outdoor UV and humidity exposure. It's ideal for large one-to-one scale 
automotive, consumer durable mounts, frames, jigs, fixtures, or internal frames in things like such as uh, white goods. But taken together, we now have a very powerful solution mix when it comes to resins. If you need small batch quantities of tens to hundreds of thousands of production grade plastic parts, the figure four is an excellent solution. And now if you need large one-to-one scale, large production parts, we now have our SLA platform with the first in our range of Acura AMX materials. To learn more about long-term resin performance and industrial scale SLS workflow solutions, visit mytct.co forward slash 3D systems pod or mytct.co forward slash pod SLS. Yeah, like you say, it it was unexpected, but I think at the same time, because we've seen so many of these deals over the last year and it was just like, you know, one after the other, it felt like it was one a week or something like that. It was um I, I felt like maybe the industry was waiting for something to happen for you know, for you know, when when is when is it gonna drop? What what does it actually mean for, for the state of the industry? How does this look um, in, in the long term? But I'm glad that you pointed out that you know, this this hasn't just happened because it's an additive manufacturing technology, you know, just because um, the company that that was going to merge with Ascentium has decided to to focus on, um, on is it electric vehicles instead? I think, mm-hmm. yes, just because they've, they've decided to go into that, it doesn't mean it's because um, it says anything bad about additive manufacturing because, as you say, the rest of these deals have all gone through, but it, it does seem like it is a something more common with just SPACs in general and not really added to manufacturing industry, which I think is, is important to point out. And I also wanted to um to use a, a comment from the piece you did, Sam, for the last issue, just looking at the um M&As in the industry overall and, and, and what that means for, for the state of the industry in 2022, because you had an interesting comment from um Sona and Adania at ID TechX um, in your piece where it suggested that uh, these deals are not a sign of the additive manufacturing industry consolidating and, and are in fact there's a lot of innovation coming out of new companies in the industry rather than those long-standing names um, in AM and um, Dadania said quote these newcomers and their technical advancements mean that the AM space isn't yet consolidating to a small group of major players rather it's growing so um, actually it does look like you know it's still overall these M&As are actually good news for the industry they they do point to a you know a, a kind of a, a positive future it, it does mean that the technology has kind of been taken seriously and that you know people are um, wanting to partner and are willing to invest so as negative as the story can sound on, on the surface I think that overall that they, they, they are still being seen as a, as a positive move within the industry. Yeah definitely and I think um, like like we said it's from from what I can gather reading up about SPACs generally it seems that I mean I think um Bella 3D's Benny Buller mentions in in that same piece that um often going public is quite speculative and the growth involved is quite speculative and I think with SPACs that's even more the case um mm-hmm. and so I think there's always an element of of risk I would say involved um and I I think perhaps from an ascension perspective an opportunity came and they they took it and at this stage it hasn't worked out that's not to say it won't work out um but i guess to go into the the coverage we did in in the last issue of the magazine um of the state of the industry which um we we covered quite broadly but certainly the 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 contributions um from my side for that feature was all about that idea of 
whether the, the industry is growing or whether it's consolidating, I think is perhaps we might assume when we see so much um, mm-hmm. M&A going on um, in all of its kind of, you know, different forms. And you're right, Sona from ID TechX, you know, was suggesting that the, the rate of which startups, for example, are still coming through with their new takes on the technology, the industry is still growing. And I think there was a quote in there from her that was basically that the rate of innovation is still outgrowing the, the rate of acquisitions um, mm-hmm. kind of from bottom to top. So, um, you know, with that in mind, we we probably shouldn't expect desktop metal strategies, 3D systems and all of the rest to kind of just make acquisitions and mergers and like, you know, like they have been and for the industry to settle down because I think um, the technology is obviously still developing, young companies are driving it. And as a result, there's likely to be more M&A activity further down the line as a result. Um, I think Sona was name dropping companies like Evolve mm-hmm. that have come into the market in recent years with with a kind of you know a different approach on the technology and i think in that scenario the the companies at the top probably wait and see how that all develops um and before any company would would make a move or whether evolve become you know a leader in their own right um and and all of that kind of thing and you know i there's what probably a new company coming into our inbox or every few weeks (laughs) still um asking to, to set up interviews or meetings or, or whatever else i'm sure you know the other the other media organizations in the industry have the same so it's definitely not slowing ta- down in terms of development and innovation um but as we as we've seen with you know the 3d systems news in the last week the acquisitions still do keep coming um in terms of public listing activity which we also covered in in that feature um sona and chris connery from context both made the point about you know the the pandemic and the impact 3d printing had there as well as all the talk around supply chain which has you know created more interest and more investment in the technology both from a venture capital perspective but also in terms of machine orders and i know if you were to look on the tst magazine website um already this year there's a ton of um announcements around machine sales and and you know adoption stories and you know as that continues am becomes an even more attractive investment opportunity so i i think there's probably still more movement to be expected there as well mm-hmm. yeah definitely and I, i'm i'm really glad that i didn't have to become um a finance or spac expert like you did sam for your state of the industry uh, piece because i got to talk to um some figures in the industry about more general um thoughts for, for the year ahead which includes some of the things you just mentioned there about the adoption rate of additive manufacturing technology and you know, context has reported that, um, you know, there has been a renewed interest in additive manufacturing and, and it has been because of the things that have transpired over the last couple of years where we have seen additive manufacturing come into play when we've had these supply chain disruptions. It's been seen as, you know, a, um, a great kind of stopgap technology, but also then that translates to, okay, well, what can we actually use this for um, in the longer term? Um, but it's kind of interesting that um, shipments were were actually up for additive manufacturing technologies, but um, the industry can't actually keep up with the demand for the orders that are currently on the books 
because of the supply chain issues that the industry itself is facing. So um, while um, quite a few people that I spoke to, you know, thought of 3D printing as this kind of answer to these supply chain problems, there was also a lot of pragmatism to that too, in the sense that it will solve some problems, but it's not going to solve all of them. And the industry itself is obviously an example of that because there are certain parts in additive manufacturing machinery that the technology itself is not suitable for for producing. And um, I think that's going to be the case um, across industries. So it, it is about finding those applications, as it always is, um, where the technology really does make sense. And I think it was um, it was Oliver Smith at Rethink Additive, um, a consultant at Rethink Additive. Um, he was talking about how um, you know we we have seen how the technology um, is going to be um, used and and seen as this um, solution in those uh, supply chain challenges, but it is also going to be about finding those boring applications um, where the technology does make sense. So that could be, uh, again, sorry, but boring and uncool things um, like, you know, components, widgets needed to keep your operations and shop floor processes moving. So 3D printing could be used for things like that, but um, it might not, not necessarily be able to solve all of your supply chain problems. So it's, it's good to go into this year seeing a bit of... Um, a bit of a reality check on where additive manufacturing does actually have a play in supply chain because there was a slight worry that last year we were sort of seeing a bit of a, a new hype around 3D printing, you know, kind of like, like we saw a few years ago, the typical, you know, it can do everything, it could do this and that. And now we see that it actually can't. It, it, it's used for very specific um, use cases and, you know, it should be used where we're actually adding value. Um, so, yeah, it, it was good to see that. And, Another trend that was spoken about quite a lot from the people I spoke to was um, materials, materials developments, which has been happening now um, for the last few years. It's, it's always seen as this kind of key driver uh, for the industry. We've got the hardware there. We've got the various processes. As you say, Sam, new processes dropping into our inbox all the time. But it is about how do you pair that with materials to create better applications, to create new applications as well. Um and some of the areas that we can, you know, that might open up over the next year again, things like the semiconductor industry were, you know, we're seeing huge supply chain challenges um, over the last year to get um, chips manufactured for the various kinds of um, electronics products, whether it's um, new um, e-vehicles or whether it's um, playstations that sort of thing you know there's a real struggle to get uh, that technology out there whereas again thinking about the right applications additive manufacturing might not be used to create specific chips but it will be used to create um, some of the components in semiconductor capital equipment so it's about finding those those niche areas where the technology does make sense and as I say there was a lot of um, a lot of Nice reality um, in this uh, piece, just people being very practical about whether technology makes sense and um, and how it's going to look in the coming year. Yeah, and I think that's always natural. Like when you go through that <clears throat> period of hype, whether it be of you know seven or eight years ago or or through the pandemic, it's always going to be a then a period of actually figuring out all of the ideas that were thrown out there mm-hmm. over the last two years, what actually worked, and and also I guess taking into account that what works for one industry might not work for another and what works for one company might not work for another. It doesn't mean that the technology couldn't, can't do this or that or can do this and that's not black and white. It's going to, you know, it's going to depend on, you know, a load of different variants. But um, I guess, you know, the, the fun part of all of this after the pandemic is actually seeing where it 
it all ends up and how much of an effect it has on manufacturing supply chains, for example, or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we have seen that, you know, because the different types of technology that have seen a surge um, in adoption. I know that context had pointed towards um you know, salesmen driven by the launch of new products, things like lower cost SLS machines like the Farm Labs Fuse One. Of course, that means that companies that perhaps didn't have access to SLS technology beforehand because of the cost can now um, access that technology. You know, perhaps they've trialed it for something last year and now they want to adopt that and they can take it in house because it's at less than $20,000. Um, but then on the other side, we've got, you know, more industrial technologies like um, Farsoon who announced some ridiculous uh, machines sales numbers uh, towards the end of last year I think it was in um, November they totaled more than 15 million US dollars um, during November 2021 with over 40 machines sold and you know they have um, lots of different types of technologies but they are definitely on the, in- the industrial end um, of, the, of the spectrum so you know we're, we're seeing it really across the gamut of the industry you know that 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 adoption uh, spike which is which is really great to see but as you say Sam it is about finding out um, now the things that we've learned of the last uh, few years how is that going to look in practice in real manufacturing um, as we move forward. Um, and I think before we go, uh, we need to talk about the TCT Awards, Sam, um, something to actually look forward to later this year. Um, yeah. So the TCT Awards are back for 2022, um, and you only have a few days left to enter your 3D printing innovations, technologies, and collaborations uh, to be in with a chance of being recognized uh, by your peers at the TCT Awards, which is happening on the 8th of June, 2022 in Birmingham. We're very excited to celebrate with you all. Um, so just wanted to quickly run through some of the categories that we have this year we have the tct aerospace application award consumer product application award creative application hardware award for non-polymers hardware award for polymer systems tct healthcare award industrial product application award materials award post-processing software and transport application awards so um if you've been working on um, an additive manufacturing application or piece of technology across any of those uh, categories and you do have until the uh, 2nd of march to submit your application um Please talk about your partnerships. We know this industry is all about collaboration and companies working together with um, end users and technology providers um, to make these innovations happen. So if you've got a story like that to tell from the last two years, um, send it in. Um, We can't wait to read through them all. We've had previous uh, winners from um, huge names like BMW, Historic Royal Palaces, uh, Ford, who have all um, entered some really great collaborations with um, AM Industry heavyweights like Ultimaker, Carbon and Renishaw. So uh, we always expect um, a really exciting lineup of of nominees in the TCT Awards. And um, I'm excited to actually get to go to an award ceremony again. It's been a good few years. Well, that's it. It should also be. It's also worth noting that because of the pandemic, the 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 span at which your project or piece of technology can enter the awards is about a million years. <laughs> so everyone should have something that they're yeah. able to submit. Um, I think it must be about two and a half years from about, let's say, September 2019 mm-hmm. up until the moment at which we close it um, in the next few days. So there's a big window there for, you know, whatever project or whatever piece of technology. Um, so there's, there's, I would say, not really any excuses to not get your submissions <laughs> in. 
Yeah, you're still right. I think our normal uh, window is about 18 months that the, yeah. uh, the submission has to be. So, and we've seen so much happen over the last couple of years, you know, despite the the disruptions that many industries have seen, you know, additive has really come through in a, in a lot of areas, you know, whether it was things like supply chain disruptions or even making pandemic related um, components and devices and things to help on the front line. You know, we've seen a lot of really interesting applications and all you have to do is go to tctawards.com to um, enter your application. The reminder, the deadline is the 2nd of March, 2022. So not long to send that in, uh, but check it out and then come join us um, on the 8th of June in Birmingham where you can uh, spend an evening with us um, and watch all of the, of the great winners receive their awards and hopefully one of them will be you. Um, so I think that's it, Sam. We did pretty well actually today. We got through it in less than 45 minutes. So I'm going to say well done to us. Yeah, I mean, normally we ramble on forever. We always <laughs> come into it saying it'll be a half an hour episode today and invariably it's then like an hour long. And like, oh. <laughs> um, no, yeah, efficient. Well done us. And well done you for listening too. Um, so thank you very much uh, for listening. And um, don't forget, if you want more Additive Insight, which of course you do, head on over to tstmagazine.com where you can get your free print subscription to TCT Magazine. Uh, you can also access the recent digital editions um, on the website too. We have a new issue coming out in just a few weeks. So if you subscribe now, you'll be able to get your free uh, print copy delivered to your door for that. Um, but you'll also receive our free weekly newsletter, which features the biggest 3D printing news stories of the week delivered straight to your inbox. Um, so thanks again for listening and we'll see you again next time. Bye.